Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Should the descendants of slaves receive reparations? Is it time for black Americans to abandon the Democratic Party? And will President Joe Biden be any good for the black community? Today, I debate the questions that the PC police doesn't want to ask. This is Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. Welcome back to Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. I've got a special show for you guys this week. My guest is Tariq Nasheed, a producer and best-selling author. He has produced and directed multiple films, including his documentary series, Hidden Colors. This highly acclaimed series discusses the marginalization of black Americans and others of African descent across the world. Tariq is also a journalist, actor, musician, and even a fashion designer. But most relevant to this week's show, Tariq is a controversial commentator with a huge social media following who describes himself as the world's number one race baiter. I kid you not. Today, Tariq and I have a raw, uncensored, unfiltered, and unafraid discussion about some of the most important and controversial issues facing the black community and America as a whole. It's time to throw out the rule book and forget about the PC culture. Let's go. It's actually an honor to have Tariq Nasheed on here. I mean, I've been watching... Uh, you on social media and I actually got to know you because of uh, some stuff you were saying about good old Roland Martin and <laughs> that alerted me so then I looked at your page because there were some things that I, I had never heard before um, but it's it's such a pleasure to have you on because I know you're going to educate us on some things that we've never heard before and, and we're going to have some, some conversation here so thank you for coming on Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell absolutely it's my pleasure Absolutely. Now, on social media, you talk about you're a foundational black American. Um, that's a term that a lot of people haven't heard of. And it's a term you coined yourself. Is that right? Yes, I coined the term. It was based on the ideology of Dr. King and Dr. Claude Anderson. They've always talked about um, black Americans being a distinct ethnic group. My brother Claude Anderson would refer to us as native black Americans. I just built on that and used the word foundational because when you use native, a lot of people think that you're referring to the red Indians. But foundational black Americans, we are the founders, the literal founders of the United States. And we have been on this land for thousands of years. We mixed in with African people later. But we're, we're really owning our culture and and doing a reset on how the history of our culture has been taught. So the the term FBA, Foundation of Black Americans, that's a a term that I coined, but it's all about a lineage. Okay. Now, you start the history um, not in 1619, which is what most people do, including the New York Times, with this 1619 project. You instead emphasize the year 1526 when the Spanish brought the first African slaves to what became the United States. Why do you make a point to first define yourself as descendants of slave and second to begin with the history of American slavery before the first English colonists even arrived? 
the term descendant of slaves, we are descendant of slaves, but again, I use the term foundational black American because that transcends that because we were here again before slavery. I use 1526 as the start of our interaction with white supremacy here. When African people were brought over and really the people who were brought over were actually black people who were in Spain. They were actual Moors and they were brought into um, San Miguel del Guadape, which was a colony that the Spanish tried to settle in the South Carolina, Georgia area. The black people who they were enslaving rose up against the Spanish, ran them out, and the black people were absorbed into the aboriginal tribe there in that area. So foreign black people were documented as the first um, foreign colony that is permanent here. And again, black people who were aboriginal were already on this land for thousands of years, going back to the Folsom people. Down there in Brazil, they had Luzia woman, which was a um, an archaeological find where they found bones of a black woman 12,000 years old. So we've been on this land for a long time. So we, our presence here transcends slavery, but our experience with the white supremacists made us descendants of slaves. Okay. And, and it's something interesting because I think People oftentimes aren't able to distinguish between this adios movement, American descendants of slaves, which in the black community, especially a lot of millennials, we kind of are aware of it. And uh, I'm not sure if my audience is aware of it. And I know you, you've mentioned before that, that term was coined by someone else. And it's something I read that you said that it was stolen and re uh, repurposed. Re, uh, uh, would you mind going into that, please? Yeah, the term ADOS, American Descendants of Slaves, that was a term, actually, again, Dr. King would use the term Descendants of Slaves in, in his memoir. Um, a brother named Norris Sheldon out of Kentucky, Dr. Norris Sheldon, he came up with the term Descendants of Slaves and American Descendants of Slaves, talking about us here on the um, in the continent as a distinct ethnic group, and he was making reparations claims. He was using this to make a distinct claim for reparations. Some other people who formed the ADOS social group, because they're not really a political group. <laughs> it's a social group. It's a, it's a group. They're not really a serious group. So they, they were in Norris Sheldon's group on Facebook, and they were affiliated with him, and, and they just basically stole the name. They stole the title. They stole the ideology, stole all the brothers' writings and everything, and tried to form their own thing. And that's pretty much exploding right now. And according to them, they said it's not really about lineage, it's about their organization, and it's about them having chapters all over the country and them being the leaders of the organization. It's a, it's a mess, and it's very confusing. I have nothing to do with that. That has nothing to do with lineage. Foundational Black America. Americans, we're only talking about what you are born as. You either have a lineage here or you don't. And we're it's no you can't have a leader of a lineage. You can't have chapters for a lineage. We talk about foundational black Americans. We're just talking about the ethnic group of people who were born here and descendant from the black aboriginals and the black enslaved people that were here on this land. Would Kamala Harris be a part of that group? Absolutely not. Kamala Harris is not a foundational black American at all. Kamala Harris comes from two immigrant backgrounds. Kamala Harris, her dad is Jamaican, and they keep using the term Jamaican instead of black. On Kamala Harris's birth certificate, her dad, he never used the term black. And in Jamaica, they have different caste systems where you have people who look like us, but they don't consider themselves black. There's, they have Creole, mulatto, free colored. They have all these different ethnic arrangements out there in the Caribbean. And her dad has never classified himself as black. Her mother is East Indian. And on the birth certificate, her mother is classified as Caucasian. So Kamala Harris is not a foundational black American at all. And it's very interesting that the powers that be, they specifically get people who are non-foundational black Americans to elevate them to positions of political power in this country. They did that with Barack Obama. He's not a foundational black American. They did it with Colin Powell. Colin Powell is Caribbean. Eric Holder is Caribbean. Most of the people from the Congressional Black Caucus, a lot of them are not foundational black American. A lot of them come from Caribbean backgrounds. Sheila Jackson Lee is Caribbean. And she's supposed to be speaking on our reparations. This is why we don't get anything. So the thing is, they understand that we, as foundational black Americans, we are going to have at least some type of camaraderie or commonality with people from our lineage. So they don't want to put people who are foundational black Americans in power because we might end up allocating resources to the people we have a camaraderie with. For example, when Kamala Harris was put in office, they kept talking about she's the first black and Asian vice president, female 
president. They really threw that Asian thing in. They were blacking her up for a long time. And the minute she got in office, then they threw that Asian thing in there. Now that they're in office, their resources and benefits being given to Asian people, they made a very um, distinct point to mention Asian people and racism against Asian people specifically and what they're going to do about giving tangible benefits to combat racism against Asian people like Kamala Harris. But Biden would not allocate any resources or policies to combat the racism against black Americans. So this is why we are distinguishing ourselves, because we keep playing the kumbaya game, but that benefits other groups instead of us. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. And you're referring to the executive order there in terms of racism against Asians. So that's really that's interesting because I hadn't even really put two and two together in terms of her being Asian. And maybe that is the general uh, premise of actually proposing something like that in the executive order. So that's interesting. I want to pick up from there in a moment. But first, let's go to break. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary in Indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. My next thought is, you know, African-Americans have been responsible for putting Democrats, at least in terms of the primary, and in that position since Jesse Jackson ran in the 80s. Do you think that we're seeing benefits from that? You continue to put president after president in office. Do you think we're seeing any benefits from the Democratic Party? No, not at all. Absolutely not. Um, We're not getting any benefits. (laughs) And people just kind of vote for Democrats out of tradition at this point. And again, I'm not a fan of the, um, the Republicans either. And I'm conservative. Here's the thing, man. Most black people in America are actually very conservative. We have a lot of conservative views. But the thing is, the commonality between the Democrats and the Republicans is white supremacy. They just do it in different forms. The Republicans, their form of white supremacy is just blatant. Hey, y'all live over there. We live over here. And you do your thing. The Democrats, their version of white supremacy is, hey, let me live right next door to you and gentrify you out of the neighborhood. And 
you know, let me be the Karen that calls the police on you. A lot of folks don't realize a lot of these Karen videos, these happen in Democrat cities. These Karens that we see calling the cops on a lot of black people, these are very liberal people. A lot of us don't like to put two together. So we think that the Democrats are going to be better than the blatant anti-black racism that comes from the the right wing of white supremacy, and it's just the same. My thing is this, with Trump in office, I told a lot of people, and this was very controversial, even though Trump has a lot of white supremacist views, I believe, Trump didn't really do anything as far as policies to harm black people. Biden has a track record of harming black people. His entire political career, Kamala Harris, I live in California, she has a whole track record of harming black people politically. Also, with the Democrats, when we deal with the Republicans, we might have to do we have to deal with the, the white supremacists themselves, but that's not a problem. We're, we're used to dealing with them as foundational black Americans. When the Democrats get in office, not only do we have to deal with white supremacists, black people have to deal with all the anti-black racism that comes from all of these other buffer class ethnic groups. We have to deal with the anti-black racism from these immigrant Asians, immigrant Latinos, immigrant Arabs that they flood over here on top of us for the sole purpose of undermining foundational black Americans. So my thing is, if we deal with anybody, any politician, I want to look at their policies. They teach black people how to be emotional about our politicians. Trump, again, Trump wasn't really that bad for black people. He didn't do anything really tangible for black people. I don't like when they start lying about, well, Trump was the greatest president for black people. That's a bunch of BS. But Trump did not put any policies together to really harm black people. So I had no problem with Trump still being in office because now when Biden gets in office after black people elevated him, Biden has gone out of his way to spit on black society. And that I cannot respect. And I cannot respect the black Biden voters at this point. What the Biden team did and the Democrats, what they do, they use plantation tactics to get black people to come out to the polls. And then truth be told, I don't believe that Biden got all those votes. I believe that this election was a finesse. I don't know any black people under the age of 50 who voted for Biden. I honestly do not believe Biden got the most votes in presidential history. I just don't know any black people who are young who went out and voted for Biden. I believe that election was a big finesse. I believe there was voter fraud. Now, I'm not trying to parrot a lot of stuff that the white supremacist right-wingers are saying, but there was some kind of voter fraud because I, I got a post on the community and nobody in the black community was really so excited about voting for Biden. We know Biden. We know Biden's track record. We know Biden's crime bill record. So nobody was really excited about him and this whole thing about we just had to get Trump out. A lot of us weren't really tripping on that either. So we got to understand a lot of things and narratives that's pushed in the media and what, what's a lot of it is propaganda. So let me ask you a couple of questions here, because you, you mentioned the white supremacy on the right. And let's be very clear and honest. There is racism that exists in the Republican Party. that has been for years, just like with the Democrats. It has. However, there is there is a track record of accomplishments in terms of what Republicans have done that have specifically benefited African-Americans, you can talk about just about every civil rights bill ever passed was passed only with Republican support, including LBJ's uh, civil rights bill. If it wasn't for Republicans in the Senate, it wouldn't have passed. You can talk about Lincoln freeing the slaves. You can talk about a number of things. Even when you mentioned Donald Trump, you talk about the First Step Act, which was passed. Again, he pushed hard on that. And I know because I went on Capitol Hill to lobby it. Thousands of people released from jail, 90 percent of them being African-American. And we can also talk about Joe Biden. Like you mentioned, he has a whole track record, 86 crack laws. You can talk about 94 crime bill. You can talk. You ain't black. All these different things that have harmed our community. Even the, the 2010 financial reform where they put all this pressure on black banks, which um, allowed us or rather disenfranchised us, our black banks from being able to lend to our community, which is where a number of us actually got our loans from. It wasn't a big institution. So we we got a track record on, on that. But how do you respond to what Republicans have actually actually done that has been positive? So because I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm, it's not clicking all the way. I, I will not give them credit for that because it's trickle down. It's not black specific. Which 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 item? 
none of their policies are, are black specific. They're all trickle down policies. Even um, with the Civil Rights Act that black people push for, they put a lot of trickle down language in it. So I will not give them props on doing that for black people because they specifically made the language very vague so that it could apply to other groups. If they're not doing something specifically using the word black, just like Biden did, just like all these other groups did, I will not give them credit for doing something for black people that has incidental benefits, even crime bills. I take offense to people saying, well, we did something for blacks with the crime bill or cr- prison reform, because that gives the assumption that blacks and criminality is somewhat synonymous. There are a lot of white criminals. There's a lot of Latino criminals, a lot of other people who benefited from those prison reform laws. Blackness and criminality is not synonymous, and I should not have to wait until I commit a crime in order to get a benefit from the government I pay taxes to. The Civil Rights Act and all of these other acts, it was supposed to be for black people. Even affirmative action was supposed to be for black people. But they use trick bag words like minority, people of color, disenfranchised. These are trick words that today benefit other groups. The civil rights bills now, more LBGT white people benefit from civil rights bills than black people now. So if it's not black specific, it's a trick bag. Nobody has ever done anything black specific that other people didn't leech off of. And we ended up getting the crumbs for. I cannot give them props on that. Joe Biden gave specific orders for Asian Americans and racism. That was not a trickle down. He didn't use minority, didn't use people of color, didn't use disenfranchised. When it comes to black people, all of a sudden saying black becomes a dirty word and I do not want to be treated like a dirty little secret that people have to sneak around and you just can't say it. It's the scarlet letter. We can't play that game. Both parties, they have not done right by the black community and they're going to have to do better. So in, in, in essence, are you saying there's been not one party, not one policy has been specific enough in terms of black folks in, in benefit? There's been neither neither party in this country. There has never been a policy that benefited black people exclusively at the exclusion of of other groups. Never in this country ever. People pretend that affirmative action, affirmative action never really benefited black people exclusively. Women, Native Americans, Latinos, LGBT, disabled people, all of them benefit from affirmative action. There has never, ever, 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 ever been one policy that specifically benefited black Americans. Every policy for us is a trickle down. It's a it's a minority coalition type of thing because see there has to be a racial hierarchy and black people have to be on the bottom. You have blacks on the bottom, whites on the top and all of the buffer groups in between. In order to combat racism, black people have to be taken off the bottom and brought up. What they do when you lift everybody up and say, okay, this is going to benefit black people too. Well, you're going to benefit all the other people who are on top of black people. So we're still going to be on the bottom. That's a con game that they've been running for 200 years. That's why every single policy to black people, it's the lift all act. We're going to do the, um, what's that? The, the, the platinum deal and all these things. It lifts up the all platinum these plan groups. for African-Americans. You're talking about the Trump proposal that would um uh declared KKK is a white supremacy group uh, no domestic terrorist um group that's what yeah, you're referring that's, to that's- that was a nothing burger. That was nothing. But no, I'm just talking about all these different policies, all these policies that are lifting up everybody because this is the trick they do. And they did this with Trump's platinum plan. They did this with the lift all plan. At the beginning of these policies, they'll talk about black, 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 how bad black people have it. Black people get disenfranchised. Black people have experienced racism. Black, 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 black. So what we're going to do, we're going to give money to small businesses We're going to give money to minority charities. We're going to give money to disenfranchised. Then they started, they start mixing up all these other groups. So it's a trick bag. And we're not going for any trick bag language anymore. We are, as foundational black Americans, we're saying enough is enough. A lot of black people actually sat out this election. So a lot of black people are going to start using their votes more strategically. Unfortunately, the Democrats know how to pull at the heartstrings of a a lot of silly black people who voted for them, knowing you weren't going to get anything. That is a problem. When black people start smartening up, smartening up and leveraging their votes, we're going to start seeing some real change. But the problem is we get into a lot of symbolism. What they do, the Democrats, they know how to get out there hugging, singing, dancing with poems, um, bribing black (laughs) folks with catfish nuggets and black eyed peas and all of this silly nonsense. When we get off that, we're going to start being more politically astute. When do you think we're going to get off of that? 
we're going to be forced to get off of it. And we shouldn't have to be forced to get off of it. I think after this Biden administration, more people are going to wake up because Biden, their job now is to undermine black people heavy. They're, they're going to flood us and try to dissipate the black voting block now because they don't want us. To, we, again, black people could can sway votes. We can sway elections. So them letting a lot of immigrant groups over, that's going to undermine us. And they know this. This is why they're talking about letting over 11 million illegal immigrants. The only reason they're doing that, and what's interesting, they're letting these people go to places like Georgia and all of these black strongholds as far as the, the voting block. So they're doing this to undermine the black vote. That's the only reason they're doing it, so they can create a buffer class to dissipate our energy and our perceived power. Do you do you do you think when you, you mention these kind of things and 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 let me say I do agree with that, I, but I think it's is more than just the the black vote. I think in terms of this 11 million number that they continue to they've been mentioning this for over a decade, the 11 million number is probably way more than that at this particular point. But do you believe that it, it's it's that's one part of it that you mentioned in terms of the buffer class, but it's also to make sure that they're dominating and they can ensure the Republicans don't win any races? Well, here's the thing. What's interesting a lot of these immigrants that they let over, especially Hispanic immigrants, especially down in Florida, what's interesting, they go out here and start voting Republican. A lot of Hispanics were voting for Trump this election. A lot of Hispanics, and this is the thing, they, they're trying to flood the country with a lot of Hispanics so that they can kind of offset some of the Hispanics who identify as white. See, this is the thing. They tell us that all these immigrant groups are our, our black people's minority comrades, and these people come over and they identify with being white or they attain to be white. So a lot of Hispanics, they come over here and they start getting on the white supremacist train. So a lot of the Democrats can't really depend on that. And Biden even said that. Biden, he made a, a very strange comment during his election. He was saying something like, well, we got to start working on the, the Hispanics. You know, they think different, not like black people. They all think the same. He said something to that effect. <laughs> it was a real weird statement. And they understand that Hispanics, some of them will think like Democrats, some of them will try to attain to be down with the Republicans. So their voting block is very sketchy because even in those countries, they view themselves different. They have racial caste systems in these countries and buffer classes in these countries. So they bring those same ideologies here. So they cannot be relied upon as a real thorough voting block. But if you let, let enough of them over here, you can get enough of them to vote Democrats. So the, the job of them is to undermine foundation of black Americans. Let me ask you this question, because when I was growing up on the south side of Chicago, we often saw how individuals, Hispanics would come over from Mexico or wherever they come over from. And they would all stay in. Not all of them. Of course, this is an example of what I saw. So I just want to be clear about that. A number of families would stay in one house. They would live in a particular area. They would only do business with each other. They wouldn't allow anybody into their communities. It was like they they built something. Is 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 that something that African-Americans should be doing, just doing business with each other and building our community that we don't need the government assistance that the Democrats would offer to say, hey, we're going to just we're going to take care of you, which makes you ultimately dependent on them. And you continue to vote for them because you're looking for a little bit of help when we should be doing for ourselves. Well, the thing is, the government, the United States government, they have consistently undermined foundational black Americans. We are the only group who has had our businesses and our economic base repeatedly sabotaged by our own government. This goes back to the Freedmen's Bank. When black people got out of slavery, we had banks, we had businesses. And when the white supremacists saw that black people were making strides. We got out of our illiteracy because remember, after slavery, black people who were forced to be illiterate, they cut their illiteracy rate in half in a very short period of time. So black people became an economic threat. So what they did, they started flooding the country with European immigrants. This is when they, the Statue of Liberty and bring all your huddled masses. Again, they use the immigrant hustle to flood us. And these white immigrants would come over and form unions 
to keep black people out of the job markets. And also what the U.S. government did, they allowed the Freedman Bank to get robbed from all of the resources that black people amassed. So all of that money from the Freedman Bank, that money was never given back to black people. A lot of the black people who were living on reservations, um, their land was taken. They were never compensated. Um, black people who built up cities like Wilmington, they had a thriving black area there. That area was destroyed and the government let it happen. Greenwood, so many other places, Tulsa, Oklahoma, so many black business areas that were thriving and successful. The government allowed these businesses and these black economic enclaves to be destroyed and black people were never compensated. In the 50s and 60s, in black business areas, they would build freeways specifically in black areas so that they could dissipate the the economic base. Even now, in Los Angeles, where I live, Crenshaw Boulevard is a black business district. They're running a train system right down Crenshaw Boulevard right now to this day, destroying a lot of these small black businesses there. So we have been the only group who have not only been, we've not been helped as far as our businesses by the government. Whenever we do figure out a way to get thriving businesses, they go out of their way to sabotage it. This does not happen to any other group at all. So I do not like when people try to tell us to be like these immigrant groups who are incentivized to come over here to use our tax dollars and they're allowed to have their businesses thrive without hindrance. Down in Texas, there was a, um, a very successful black business called the Turkey Leg Hut a year ago where a bunch of white people in the community tried to get together and sabotage that business because it was so successful. This only happens to us and we don't get any kind of protections from the Democrats or the Republicans and when black people are crippled economically and then we have to become dependent on welfare or anything like that. We're told, well, we just have to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. No, we have to start pulling the white supremacists by their bootstraps and get them off of us. So you mentioned how it's a narrative that you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which is something we, we know. And I understand when people say, hey, you know, how can I pull myself up by my bootstraps when I don't have any boots? I get that. But me is an example, and I know we're not a monolithic people. Everybody has different experiences. I grew up on the south side of Chicago, extremely poor, lights, gas, and water off at the same time. Mom addicted to drugs, but yet and still, I was motivated enough to go to my local alderman's office because I had an interest in politics and volunteered. Then it led to an internship and then another internship, then a job part-time and so on and so forth to the point that I now work for the number one cable network in the country. I have a successful book out, podcast a consulting firm and a number of other things. So do you think that oftentimes we will give excuses within our community as to why a person can't be as successful as a you or me uh, because of maybe slavery or, or something else? We as black people, we make it all the time. We're very successful relatively all the time. We've always been a successful, resilient, resourceful people in spite of the most atrocious system ever created, which is white supremacy. We shouldn't have to overcome systematic white supremacy in order to be successful. Other groups, well, some of them do because in their home countries, a lot of their home countries are destroyed by white supremacy indirectly. This is why they have to flee to come over here. But we shouldn't have to overcome all of these insane obstacles in order to just thrive, in order to live a normal life. I have, I, look, when I was young, I used to go to jail all the time, living in South Central Los Angeles. Me and my friends, and I wasn't a gangbanger, but my friends were. And being with them, they would have gang sweeps in Los Angeles where if you look like a gang member, you get swept up. If you had blue or red in your shoestrings, you would get arrested. So I would go to jail with my friends all the time. I was homeless. I would have to live in a library in the daytime and wash up there. And while I was in the library, I would read a lot of books. This is why I knew so much stuff and I learned so much stuff because I was homeless having to live in a damn library in the daytime because I didn't have the opportunities afforded to me. I I am a high school dropout. I dropped out of school in the 11th grade. I never graduated. But today, I have a multi-million dollar production company. I have six of the best-selling documentary films on black history ever. I did that in spite of systematic white supremacy, but I never negate the impact that white supremacy had and the backlash that we get when we're successful in spite of it. Because see, when black people are successful, a lot of times, black people are told, you got to give props to the white person who helped you. It's what I call the Oprah effect. Oprah 
was told when she grows up, just find some good white people and let them take care of you and let them help you and elevate you. But what happens when black? That was what her grandmother told her. Yeah, her grandmother told her that go find some good people. And a lot of people, black folks, unfortunately, uh, subscribe to that mentality. But when we become successful without the good white people, then we become a threat. Because my success, and I use success relatively, did not come from good white people helping me. My films are 100% independent. When I put out books, that was independent. And my books were bestsellers. We become a threat. I can't go to Europe. I can't go to the UK right now. The UK banned me because of my last film. I did a film called Hidden Colors 5. It's just talking about racism. I was going to go out there to promote it, and they pulled me off an airplane. They told me if I if I go to the UK, I'm going to be detained. They I'm one of the, I think, six black Americans that's banned from going to the UK. I think one person, Mike Tyson, I think Mr. Farrakhan is banned, and a couple of others, but I'm one of the six. And I was banned because they told me that, well, my message is not conducive to the good of the UK. When we start doing things like that, we become a threat and a system that's threatening people and trying to um, punish people systematically for calling that system out. That's a system that shouldn't exist. But I I think you just demonstrated my point. You also build your way up and you did it without the help of many people. I'm sure there was people who gave you encouraging words and there was some some form of assistance along the way. But you said you're you're a high school dropout. You lived in a library. You read books and you created a multi-million dollar business for yourself. And from what I know, uh, at least one of your books is a New York Times bestseller. Is that right? It is. The Art of Mackin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with that being the case, do you think within our community, like to, to, to your point of what you were able to accomplish, what I was able to accomplish, we oftentimes give crutches to our people and say, well... You know, you can't do this because a white supremacy is stopping you. You can't do this because we live in a racist country. You can't do this for this or that reason. And more often than not, people believe that and they don't even put in the effort to try. Or when they do try, they give up early because they were told that things are so bad and everyone's so racist. So why even put in the effort? You know, what's funny, it's the opposite, though. Most people who are not aware of white supremacy... Many of them are the ones who actually fail because, see, they're the ones who walk into the traps. You know, a lot of people who get killed by these race soldiers posing as police out here. A lot of these are the black folks who have no idea on how systematic racism works. When they get out here, they think everything is hunky-dory. They think, well, I can just do whatever I want to do. And when we see these brothers and sisters get killed, the main thing I see them say is, I know my rights. You ain't supposed to be doing this. I know my rights. And these are people who do not understand how systematic white supremacy works at all. And they fall into the traps. That's a very dangerous thing. When people are not aware of the system that controls them, you're going to fail at that system. Because what happens when you fail, you think it's something that's internal. You think, okay, well, as a black person, I'm just not good enough. The white media tells black people where you're just incompetent. All the things that's happening to you, the reason why you're in the ghetto is because you guys are just naturally inferior. So black people internalize these fabricated messages, and that's the thing that makes them not want to try. They don't understand who's orchestrating this stuff. I learned at a very early age that white supremacy was a real thing, and I became successful because I navigated around it, and I never fell into the traps. Well, I stopped falling into the traps because I was falling into the traps at one point, but after I learned how systematic white supremacy worked, I would learn how to navigate the traps and become relatively relatively successful. Okay, so I'll move on on that, on, on that point. But I do think we need to empower our community more and and beyond whatever racism may exist. We need to really and I get what you're saying in terms of we shouldn't have to do X, Y and Z. We shouldn't have to be uh, trying to figure out a strategy to avoid racism and all this kind of stuff, because it does exist. Like, And anyone who says it doesn't is lying, but things aren't what they used to be for sure. And things have certainly progressed, but there's still more work to be done. But I want to ask you, it's no such disagree with that real quick. There's no such thing as progressive racism. Things have not progressed. We have not made one iota of progress 
at all. I want black folks to really understand that there's no such thing as progressive racism. We are in the same position as we were in the 1800s relative to the dominant society. There's zero changes in the dominant society during slavery. You had free black people who were relatively successful. Right now, we have free black people who are relatively successful. We got the Jay-Z's and the Oprah's. We had well-to-do black people back then, relatively. But as far as our relations to the dominant society, as far as owning things and um, being free to do what we want to do without the dominant society being in a position to take us out anytime they feel like it. We have not moved one iota from that. Okay, but you got you got networks like BET and so on and so forth. People own banks. And when you talk about the dominant society and how people can can stop you, the government is always positioned to stop a person. So that that exists for everyone, not just black people. Right. No, because today there was a story about some of the people who raided the Capitol building. One of the white women, she requested to go on vacation (laughs) to Mexico and they gave her a (laughs) So no, it don't exist. No, I don't know no black people who can storm a Capitol building and then get a trip to Mexico to go on vacation. No. So we we have not moved one iota. Okay, so... I, I disagree with the movie, but we'll we'll move on. I, I want to ask you, I want to ask you about slavery because oftentimes we, in our community, we talk about slavery. We talk about how if it wasn't for slavery, we would be our community would be in better conditions, etc. Which I understand and, and I do agree. Um, but people take on the role of slavery and make it a part of their, in some cases, a central part of their identity in their day to day life. Um, does that? risk them defining themselves primarily as a victim and are you concerned that such a mentality can make them feel powerless and be less self-reliant i don't know anybody who who takes on slavery as a part of their daily life i don't i don't i don't know any black person there's people there's people will say things like oh yeah you know what because of slavery i can't do this my family can't be successful our community isn't successful because of slavery um, and it's it, it's continued to be mentioned, at least where I grew up. That that's the case. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I've never heard anybody say, "Well, we can't be successful because of slavery," because that's not true. We have been successful um, in spite of slavery. Black people, we have created so many things in spite of slavery. Even during slavery, and I was talking about this for Black History Month, there were black people coming out of slavery, um, getting all types of things invented. Some of the, the radiators and central heating and all this stuff was created by former slaves. So we have been successful in a lot of things. So a lot of us don't have the mentality that. That we cannot be successful because of slavery, but we understand that because slavery existed and the wealth generated from slavery was maldistributed to the dominant society and denied us, we still have not gotten the reparations we're supposed to get and people still thrive and live off our um, the, the wealth generated from the labor of our people, that wealth has not disappeared. That money is still here today and people are passing that money down and it's becoming more aggregated and it's becoming more immense and it's helping the dominant society while we have to figure out ways to kind of make ends meet and thrive in spite of the legacy of slavery. Well, speaking, you mentioned reparations, and I want to go to a comment you made back in August. You proposed a reparations package starting at $20 trillion, and now I'm quoting you. That would be 500000 going to every foundational black American whose lineage traces back to the American slave trade that was enforced by the government. These payments can be dispersed in increments of $8,000 a month for five years. Why do you think descendants of slaves at this particular point in time, should be receiving reparations? Um, Because this country built all of its wealth off the free labor of black people, and there is no time cutoff for it. Um, We're still here. We're still feeling the legacy of the lack of resources. The people in the dominant society are still thriving off the resources. This is not a new government. It's the same exact government. It's not like people use the argument, well, there was slavery all over. There was slavery in Rome. Well, the Roman government back then is not here anymore. So you take that up with some Italians. The United States government that benefited off the free labor of foundational black Americans that everybody came over and benefited from, that government is still alive. The Constitution is still here. And we have still not gotten those those um 
Um, how many acres in a mule? How many acres? 40 acres. 40 acres in a mule. 40 acres. 40 acres in a mule. So, yeah, we need those 40 acres in a mule. They understand how important it is that we, descendants of slaves, get those resources because other groups get the resources when they've been aggrieved. When um, um, Jewish people, they get, some of them get money from the Holocaust to this day. Um, the Japanese, they got reparations for being put in internment camps. Um, Native American groups, and I'm talking about the red Native Americans, and many of them today are not the real Native Americans. You have what we call a bunch of $5 Indians, meaning white people who paid money to the census takers in the late 1800s, early 1900s to be classified as Native American so that they can get some of that land. But all types of billions of dollars are allocated to Native American tribes, but nothing is allocated to us. When we talk about giving something to the people who built this nation from scratch, for free, then all people have to get something and it'll trickle down to us. So no, we're gonna to have to get reparations specifically for foundational black Americans because we were specifically aggrieved and targeted. So for for the white Americans who didn't have anything to do with slavery, and I, I know you probably go back to their descendants, should they be involved in a process of repaying uh, the debt, if you will, in the form of reparations? If you lived in this government, if you lived on this land, you benefited from slavery. Everything in this country was built on slave labor. Every dime, every nook, every cranny. If you lived here, you benefited from slavery. You were a part of the slave trade. The railroads were built off slavery. All the corporations were built off slavery. The insurance companies, as we know it, was built off slavery. The medical industry, as we know it, was built off slavery. Everything was built off slavery. Black people were the first stocks and bonds on Wall Street. Everybody benefited from it. And they've gotten the resources they've gotten. And people who were classified as white were designated as a privileged protected class that will get some of those maldistributed resources. When they had the Homestead Act in this country, they allocated land for white Europeans to come over and get free land based off the tax dollars that was used to acquire the land in the West. Black people were specifically not allowed to get that land. So, I mean, just policy after policy that disenfranchised black people, but elevated people in the dominant white society. And they didn't refuse none of that land. When some of these European immigrants hopped on these boats to get over here, they knew that they were going to get unearned benefits from from the free labor acquired or accumulated from black labor, from the wealth accumulated from black labor. They knew what they were getting when they came over here. That was the American dream. The American dream was for other groups classified as white and then later other groups to come over here and benefit off the free labor and the unearned benefits that black people accumulated. So all of these people who come over here are responsible for the resources that were deprived of black people. I want to read you a couple of quotes from leaders of the civil rights era and get your response. Dr. John Morrisell, assistant director of the NAACP during the civil rights era, described the idea of reparations as an illogical, divisionary and paltry way out uh, for guilt written whites. And civil rights leader Barriott Rustin, who organized the March on Washington in 1963, said that if my great grandfather picked cotton for 50 years, then he may deserve some money. But he's dead and gone and nobody owes me anything his point is basically that he doesn't make sense for people who never owned slaves to get money to people who were never slaves that make amends for slavery. How do you respond to that? I never put Native Americans off on a reservation. Why does my tax dollars go to pay them today? I never put any people who are Jewish in concentration camps, but our tax dollars go to some of those descendants today. I didn't put Japanese people in internment camps, but our tax dollars went to helping out the descendants of the Japanese families. See, billions of dollars are going to Native American tribes today. These are tax dollars that we pay for. I didn't disenfranchise any immigrant groups in their home countries, but our tax dollars are going to DACA programs and DREAMer programs and bringing people over and putting them in HBCUs. A lot of these illegal immigrants come over and go to black colleges, colleges that were designed for us, and our tax dollars are paying for it. 
I didn't do anything to these folks, but my tax dollars is still responsible for them. So if my tax dollars are responsible for these people who don't have anything to do with what's going on in the United States, then the tax dollars should be allocated to the people and the descendants of the folks who built this nation and they've been disenfranchised ever since they built this nation. See, that, that's an interesting argument. Um, I think people will have something to think about in terms of that. But I know folks will also wonder if my especially the, the point you raise is a good one, I think, um, in the sense that, yeah, why are tax dollars going to the folks who may be in a DACA program or may never have been American citizens themselves? So I can understand people aren't even citizens. We, we're giving tax dollars to folks who are not citizens. Yeah, but we also we also we send have- tax dollars over to countries that we really shouldn't be sending over to. Like if you look at the the, the stimulus package that recently was issued. What do you say? Three hundred billion, a hundred billion here, three billion there. Meanwhile, folks in our own country aren't getting the aid and assist that they really need to move forward during COVID. So this has been a backward system for a long, long time, and now we're in a position. Mm-hmm. Whereas I may not agree with our tax dollars currently going to folks uh, being paid for reparations in these other areas, whatever malfeasance the government might have provided during that time. So it's interesting to note. Where we are right now in terms of people actually really looking for that kind of assistance in the form of an $8,000 check for five years, that's a pretty high bar. $20 trillion, that's a high, high bar. They had they pulled that money off of COVID. They got that money that when they had COVID relief that you saw how fast they pulled out them trillions of dollars. They got money for that. They, we, this is a very wealthy country. They got all this money for military spending. Listen, that money should be going to foundational black Americans because, look, they're going to be spending the money anyway. See, they spend all this money harming black people. They use all of these billions and trillions of dollars to come up with military weaponry and all of these things to to attack black people at these riots and at these protests. I remember going to Baltimore during the Freddie Gray protest, and there had to be at least two or three billion dollars worth of military weaponry out there just for unarmed black teens fighting against non-justice. So they can do it the easy way or the hard way. They can keep trying to disenfranchise black Americans. We'll still keep rising up against it because we've never been broken 100%. We've always fought against non-justice. We're the most resilient people in that regard. And this is why they have to have a military complex with the weapons pointed at us. You notice when the white people raided the the White House and the Capitol building, you didn't see none of those billions of dollars worth of tanks and rocket launchers and drones. You saw none of that. They acted like their hands were tied. All of those weapons are made for us. So y'all can spend your money on that or you can do the right thing and give the reparations you're supposed to give so that we can have a peaceful and equitable existence here without using anti-black racism as your cultural barometer. Anti-black racism is something that codifies all of the white supremacists and all of these other groups. This is why they only complain when tax dollars are supposed to go to specific black people. That's the only time it's a problem. If tax dollars are going to non-citizens, they have no problem with it. But just the idea that black people are going to be getting something that nobody else is supposed to get. See, that messes up the the hierarchy of racism. Remember, black people have to be on the bottom. And the minute you start talking about taking black people off the bottom, well, the whole culture of white supremacy is going to collapse as it should. We shouldn't have a culture of white supremacy. Everything should be equitable. Let's shift now to the Biden administration. Your thoughts on the new president and what black people should hope from him, if anything. I want to ask you about that right after a quick break. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. (sighs) Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. 
Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Do you think Joe Biden is a racist? I believe that he's a suspected white supremacist. Joe Biden has a long track record of anti-black racism. I have zero respect for Joe Biden. His crime bill was horrible. He had segregationist views in the 70s. His rhetoric to black people now after they put him in office is despicable and disrespectful. So I have zero respect for him. And um, the same lack of respect for Kamala Harris, her track record with black people is just as bad. I think it's very disingenuous for the the media to parade her around as some black sister girl, which she's not. She's not a foundational black American. They paraded her around and did a Jedi mind trick on black people. This woman identifies as being an Asian, an East Indian Asian. And many of them, they have a long tradition of anti-black racism. So you cannot be both. This whole thing where she's black and East Indian. No, you can't be a victim of anti-black racism and an anti-black racist. You can't be both. So, you know, it's very interesting to see how these next four years are going to play out. Yeah. And do you think Americans can ever resolve racial tensions and what would it take? Well, it's going to it's going to be resolved. It's going to be it's inevitable that it's going to be resolved because what happens is the system of white supremacy should not exist. It's an artificial system, but it's an artificial system that's backed up by military might. But it's so unnatural that it's going to teeter itself out. And that's what it's doing. But we shouldn't have to wait until it teeters itself out. The thing is. The universe knows how to correct certain things. The universe can correct things that shouldn't exist. The universe is very good on on doing that. And the system of white supremacy is unnatural, meaning a system of people who believe that their whiteness makes them superior to others and that they should dominate and mistreat and control people. So what happens in order to maintain that system? White people have created segregated enclaves for themselves to protect their genetics. That's what segregation really is. That's them setting up these enclaves so that they couldn't mix in with the other dark masses so that their genetics can be protected. And what happens is you get into these little segregated enclaves and you start intermixing and interacting and and interbreeding with each other. Then that becomes almost incestuous. This is why in some of these little segregated towns, people, white people are sleeping with their cousins and their uncles and their mama and their grandma. It's, It's a cluster of a whole bunch of nonsense. And this is causing more genetic problems. This is why a lot of white people in America are dying out now. And this is why they're saying by 2040, white people are going to be the minority here in America. And this is why there's a scramble now for them to um, set up an apartheid system here to rule as a minority as they do in South Africa. This is why when Joe Biden got on that call with the black leaders, Joe Biden was like, hey, man, we're going to have to start working with the Hispanics. See, they're going to try to whiten up these other groups. So they're putting these other groups into like a hazing process. So it's a real crazy thing that's going on now. This is why a lot of the, the white supremacists are panicking at this point. So it's it's the, the next few years are going to be very interesting. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, that was that was quite a quite a thought there. Um, So you're saying that the 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 Democrats are uh, utilizing or rather white supremacists, as you put it, 
um, they're creating a caste system to rule as the minority. Um, and it's not the fact that a lot of Hispanics are coming over here and becoming legal and building families, which is creating a new majority. So that's not really the, the reason for that. Well, Biden said something very interesting again a couple of months ago. He said, and this was Biden, he said, hey, look, whites are going to be the minority in, in 2040. He said this. This is Biden talking. So we're going to have to do something fast. So, they, you know, they're catching Biden saying all of this stuff. He's talking like Richard Spencer on some of these damn calls they're getting him on. So what they've always done, because... Anglo white people, they've all they've been a minority for a long time. They've let a lot of other groups come over and they've ingratiated them into whiteness in order to boost the numbers up. Globally, white people are less than 10 percent of the global population um, relative to the world population. They're really not a lot of white people, even in Europe. This is why they do and let Brexit stuff in Europe to try to get all the, the non white people up out of there and try to control um, them coming in and out of Europe. But there are really not a lot of white people on the planet. And they've always allowed other groups to come over and whiten up who were not considered white before. Remember, the Irish were not considered white, but then they allowed them to be white in order to boost the numbers. The Greeks and the Italians were not considered white for a long time. They would call the Italians guineas. Guineas, that's a nickname for Africans because of the dark complexion of the, the Italians. But later in the 20th century, they allowed the Italians to come into whiteness in order to boost the numbers up. So they're doing that now. They're trying to do that with Hispanics now. But the thing is, a lot of Hispanic culture is rooted in African culture. So they're real touchy-feely about that Hispanic thing, but that's the, the best deal you're gonna get in order to boost those white numbers up. So they do little stuff like that, scientific racism. That's a real thing. And another thing that they're doing now is they're getting into something called transhumanism. That's another thing that a lot of people need to look into in order to um, sustain their numbers and to sustain their genetics. Epstein was into that. I think Elon Musk, he's into that real heavy. He just announced that they're going to start putting computer chips in people's brains and using computers to get in all people's in, into people's genetics. So all of this stuff is all about eugenics and survival, transhumanism and all of these little racial tactics they do. It's all a form of eugenics. And it's a it's a very interesting thing when you look at the dynamics of it. And, and Joe Biden is the head of that, because as we know, uh, Republicans want legal immigration. They don't want to bring a bunch of folks in and just make them legal. Right, right, right. Well, I won't say the head of it. You know, they I, with the Republicans, the thing is with them, anti-black racism is old hat to them. You know, they try to, you know, they, they, uh, smacking around helpless black people. You know, they, they've been there, done that. So they, they got other issues they look at. But with the Democrats, them undermining us and coming up with ways to undermine us with other groups, you know, that's really, that's their forte. And that's why I say the Democrats are oftentimes more dangerous than these alt-right Republicans that people point to. Yeah, I, I know there's a lot of races. I call out the alt-right and all of the Richard Spencers and all these Unite the Right people all the time. But again, they have not done anything as far as policies to undermine black people that we've seen since Trump was in office. So we, we don't, in, in the 1960s, Lyndon B. Johnson, he signed the Civil Rights Act. This man was all on video, not video, but he's all on secret tapes calling Dr. King all types of niggas and all types of stuff. So he was a card carrying racist. But the thing is, mm -hmm. his policies ultimately um, benefited black people to a certain degree. And it was because of Republicans supporting that 1965 Civil Rights Bill, which is what you're referring to. Yeah, and it was Democrats also, in the Senate didn't want to support it. Yeah, well, no, and they had the majority too. Well, the, they got on board because it was black people in the streets whooping ass. That's no, 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 no. They didn't get on board. Actually, it was Republicans in the Senate that ultimately was the reason that it passed. They didn't want to support it. They didn't want to give black folks rights, and that's the history of the Democratic Party. It's a racist party. That's what it's about. Yeah, but both of them though, no, neither one really wanted to. Neither one really wanted to. They were forced to. They didn't do this. Let's be very clear. It wasn't like some type of political disagreement between the Democrats and Republicans. The They got on board because black people were in the streets forcing them to. Even the 1968 Act of Fair Housing, that was forced on the government by black people. They didn't get in a room and just find religion. 
they when Dr. King got killed in April, April 4th, the that new civil rights bill, the Fair Housing Act was signed seven days later. Why was it signed seven days later? Because black people had something called Holy Week. Black people were burning this country down. Black people got in the streets and started whooping ass and forced Johnson to sign that bill seven days later. So they never got religion with each other. We always had to force them to do what we needed them to do. So I'm not giving either one of them credit for any of that, but I say that even though you have a racist or an open racist in the office at the end of the day if you push them hard enough they'll do the right thing no i don't think joe biden has any intention of doing the right thing and i'll i'll end on this point the republican party was started in 1854 in opposition to the gansas nebraska act which wanted to expand slavery so it, it, it its foundations were about uh, um, ending slavery and i, I can appreciate that but there i understand who were slave owners so Oh, no question about it. No question about it. I don't deny that. Not one yeah. bit. <laughs> no, no question about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I want to thank you so much for coming on. You uh, certainly have a, a point of view that we really don't hear here often. So I, I really appreciate you coming out and sharing your thoughts on a plethora of things. And um, I certainly want to, before you go, let everybody know where they can find your films, your books, your social media handles. And if you have any Big projects coming up. You can get all my films at hiddencolorsfilm.com. Hiddencolorsfilm.com. You can get all my films there. I got a new film coming out in a couple of months called Buck Breaking. And that's going to be a very interesting one. That's coming out in April. And you can get um, all my books, films on Amazon. And you can follow me on Twitter at Tariq Nasheed. Follow me on Instagram at Tariq Elite. Well, thank you for coming on, Tariq, uh, to Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. I truly appreciate it. No doubt. My pleasure. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks to Tariq Nasheed for an interesting interview. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, please email me at outloud at gingrich360.com and I'll try to answer them in our future episodes. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Gianno Caldwell. If you're interested in learning more about my story, please pick up a copy of my best-selling book titled Taken for Granted, How Conservatism Can Win Back the Americans That Liberalism Failed. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Klingman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, all part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific.